welcome to Digital Health Unplugged, the only podcast you need for all of your healthcare IT news. We are still coming to you remotely from various places across the UK, and it looks like we might be doing that for a little while longer as well. I'm Andrea Downey, Senior Reporter for Digital Health, and you are tuning into our October News Team Debrief, but this time with a bit of a twist, as we are joined by some special guests from the Digital Health Advisory Panel. We have made them honorary members of the editorial team today, and I'm sure they're very excited about that. So we have with us today, Hannah Crouch, Digital Health Editor. Hi, everyone. James Reed, DCIO at Birmingham and Solihull Mental Health NHS Foundation Trust and the chair of Digital Health CCIO Network. Hi, everyone. And Dermot O'Reardon, CCIO at West Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust. Hi there, everybody. So welcome to the News Team podcast. We're very excited to have you here. Are you all excited to be members of our editorial team for today? I'm never more so. (laughs) So what we normally do on our News Team debriefs is look at our biggest stories for the month. And I think we all know what that is going to be. I'd actually say it's been one of our biggest stories for the year. We finally have a contact tracing app in England and Wales. It's been almost seven months that we have been covering this story, and I won't lie, at times it has felt a bit more like seven years, but it has actually been a really, really interesting story to follow, which we have been doing since NHSX first announced it was working on an app uh, back in March. As I'm sure you all know, there were quite a few concerns about privacy with the original operating model of the app, Uh, and then we had delayed rollout dates, and then there was a U-turn on the operating model. Um, It's all made for very good news for us, but I'm not not sure the Department of Health and NHSX feels the same. (laughs) But it was finally launched on the 24th of September, and I won't lie, I was a little bit excited about it. Um, I'm going to sound like such a nerd in admitting this, but I waited up to download it. You (laughs) outside the app store, did you? I I did. did. You were behind the times. It actually came out the day before they expected it to come out. Yeah, I, I well, I sort of didn't check until about 11.30 in the evening and then I realised it was available and I thought, well, I'm going to download this and play with it now. Um, which I just, I don't know, I just really wanted to see what this app that I had spent so many hours writing about actually looked like and how it worked. Um, a lot of a lot of my friends said it was nerdy. Um, I say it's commitment to the job, um, <laughs> but they didn't say it like that. So, um, but yeah, I've been sort of trying to encourage friends and family to download it and let me know what they think. Um, but I guess I want to know what you guys think. Right. Well, should I start? I mean, I think it, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it? Um, and obviously, I've, I've followed all this with, with, with great interest. Um, we were um, one, one thing that was good is that the network's got a, a sneak preview of some of the changes a few weeks before it launched, which was which was a really interesting um so i think from my point of view i'm it's definitely good that they've taken they they did take notice of the concerns that were raised you know and and that's quite well publicized and certainly when we and there was certainly a real keenness to to do some engagement which was also really good so when when we in fact the preview that we saw is pretty much the was pretty much the finished product actually and 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 it, it looked almost exactly the same um and, uh, and and the key things had all been done so that that was, that was really good um I mean, I've uh, having installed it, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it tells me that my area around here is high, which I think I knew being in Birmingham. Um, and um, it's got a very exciting animation with a nice green bar showing me it's scanning all the time, which I'm not sure is very good for my battery life, but but looks nice. Um, but the, the rest of it, I think, is, you know, it, it seems sensible to me. Um, 
from a tech point of view, <clears throat> I think it's fine. I mean, obviously, the real interesting bit now is not so much the tech. It's more what the behavior, what people will do. You know, will people be downloading this? Most people I know, I'm trying to think, people who ask me about it, there's been a kind of mixed response. I can't say, Andrew, that I know anyone who's been desperate to install it and get it running like you were. Um, so, but, but at the same time, I haven't heard any great negative. So I think it's fairly kind. It's a bit meh at the moment among the people I know anyway. So um, it remains to be seen how the public at large respond to it, um, which I think is the most interesting bit. I've absolutely been a supporter of the idea uh, and looking at it from somebody who takes an interest in tech, but who isn't necessarily a, a technical expert. But from the word go, hearing about the potential for using technology to do contact tracing sounded interesting from the early stages in uh, the COVID situation that we all have faced as a country. It was a bit disappointing when you it became quite clear early on that going off and the UK trying to do its own thing, or the English NHS, I should say, rather, trying to do its own thing and be world beating always i can see some of the reasons why they might have tried to do it because it might have given them some more information but you could just see that it, that was doomed not to work and to be fair i don't have a problem with the fact that they then subsequently admitted put their hands up admitted that was a mistake and went down the route that they have gone using the standard google and apple processes I think it was a bit of a missed opportunity, but I, no, I'm never one to sort of criticise when people actually put their hands up and say, we made a mistake, let's go let's go and do it again. And I, I do welcome that, even though it was a... a um, I think it did produce a bit of a, an unnecessary delay. I think I agree with you. Um, I think it was quite refreshing that they actually turned around and said, we're actually going to... I mean, it was quite a brave decision really to turn around and say, we're completely scrapping the model that we've done. The trials have not gone very... Not, they didn't admit they didn't go well, but they said they haven't gone as well as maybe they would have hoped have. And, you know, they've then they sort of switched to the model. And, and like you said, it and you do appreciate when people do say, we have kind of taken the wrong decision. But like you said, at least they kind of admitted it and went down another route. And um, I think it, look, I've kind of downloaded it as well. I, I wasn't as sort of keen as Andrew. I didn't wait up sort of at half 11 at night. Um, but I have downloaded it and I do use it as much as I can, but it's, it's like you were saying, James, it's quite interesting to kind of gauge people's reactions because um, people weren't really aware of the contact tracing app. You know, I just assume that everyone's tapped into digital health like, you know, all the cool kids are. But um, as soon as kind of the ads started hitting and, um, you know, the TV ads started coming up, then my family started talking about it. And there was kind of like you said, James, there was mixed messages about whether, you know, people are going to download and use it. And, and like you said, I think that's kind of the next sort of step now as as to where we go and and how do we get people to actually use it which i think is one interesting question yeah so i think absolutely right hannah and um well it is interesting the way that the public bit has gone because i think as you say we we all forget don't we that we inhabit this little bubble around digital health and apps and it's the number one thing for us but uh, again it's not not so for everybody else and i think it's interesting to compare the kind of public campaign okay it's early days but there's been some there was some sort of semi-serious suggestions to the networks about using celebrities. Ant and Deck were mentioned, I think. Um, but you know, I do remember a few years ago there was a campaign around um, uh, CPR and life support fronted by Vinnie Jones, the footballer, and that had a big impact. And it was done in quite a 
yeah, it, it, the way it was done was quite clever. It took a serious subject, but approached it in a slightly more, not say humorous, but in a, in, in a way that gave it a different spin. And I think that made it quite attractive and quite accessible. And um, and I think I wonder whether something like that's needed here, actually, to really get this out there. The, the adverts I've seen so far, they're pretty serious and that's fine. But but I think if we're going to get the maximum impact, finding different ways to reach people um, is going to is important. And no doubt they've got a big, you know, public relations operation um, behind them. But it will be interesting to see what they do. Interestingly, to this afternoon, thank you, James. I, I was actually browsing Twitter and looked at a, 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 a YouTube video. Uh, and the advert that came on beforehand was about the NHS COVID app. And in there, uh, there probably were more famous people. Than, I didn't recognise them all, but I did recognise Jeremy Vine and Chris Evans. So they oh, are, no. and there probably were more that I don't necessarily recognise them all. But they are therefore getting out and using the, the well-known faces. Mm. It was, the adverts were fairly light about saying, we must, we're all in it together, we must do it. And I think that is the right first phase. There's a need then to follow that up for those who do have the concerns about the privacy as to how they find the information. And there is quite good information has been put out there on the website about the lack of a central store uh, of of data and and, and that side of things. Um, So there has been advertising, which I think will start to make a difference. They presumably Mm. must have a pretty big budget. Mm. Yeah, and I think... Oh no, sorry, James. You go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it, it, it's um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting about how we, you know, how we deal with the "what's in it for me" question as well. Because I think there'll be a few waves, won't there? I mean, not to coin a phrase, but the, the first sort of the, the the current gang will be people who are genuinely interested in the app and want to do stuff. But then, if we're going to win over the perhaps slightly more reluctant people, there'll there'll have to be an incentive that perhaps goes beyond the sort of the public good stuff. I mean, for example, one of my friends told me that um his gym you now you can't get into the gym unless you have the app and you scan the qr code for example which is an interesting and that's something they've chosen to do that's an interesting angle we may see more of that um and and, and rather than that that's a bit of a more negative thing there may be more positive things whereby you, know, you may be able it may be easier to do certain things perhaps if you've you know if you've got the app and you've scanned in that might be an enabler um and that might give you a positive reason to download it because it allows you to do things and, and i wonder if, if that sort of thing because i don't i don't imagine anyone wants the because the, the approach as they're thinking has happened in some countries where you know you're not allowed to walk the streets unless you have the app and so on and i don't think anyone would want to see that here but i, I think having a system of sort of levers and incentives is likely to work. Thank you, James. My interest, interesting, my gym also has a piece of paper. I scanned it because I am that way inclined. I'm not sure they were denying admissions to those who hadn't. Mm. Uh, and my local Tesco's had a scrappy bit of paper <laughs> on the on the side, which I happened to notice, and it didn't really work. I, mm. I tried to scan, it didn't work. And I suppose there's a bit of a question as to what counts as a venue. Is a supermarket yeah. a venue or is it is a venue, a gym, a restaurant, a pub? And there is the hearts and minds. And that's where, you know, our old friend Joe McDonald says it's the soft stuff that makes the difference. It's not the technology. Mm. And the more that we have disquiet about the rules and uncertainty about even the prime minister knowing what the rules are, that undermines the confidence and that therefore will undermine the app. And it's interesting. I've had conversations with people on Twitter of two ends of extremes. So my sister works in the tech world in London and she did a non-scientific straw poll of her tech 
colleagues, which she mentioned on Twitter, about how none of them trusted the government and they weren't installing it. Right. Interestingly, Rory Catherine Jones came back to her because she works in that, she lives in that sort of moves in that world, and said, "That's interesting. Does that mean that your contact tech contacts in London don't trust Google and Apple?" And actually, that there was a lot of replies saying, actually, when you pointed out the details of how it works, there should be enough in there to say that it doesn't location track you. It doesn't actually know that you're positive unless you tell it. And it doesn't know if you're not obeying the isolation. Yeah. Because it's not tracking your location. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the major things that's come out of it is that it can tell you, it's got, you know, this neat kind of isolation countdown, which I find quite scary because it's kind of like, just you know counting down the days until you're free but it's not you know it's not something that you have to abide by you know you could potentially just break it and and it comes down to the fact that you you're sort of trusting people to abide by the rules and and self-isolate you know when they can or when they're told to sorry but how do you you can't physically stop people from doing it which is like you said is probably one of the issues we're still largely in a position, aren't we, where this is it is governed by consent, you know, uh, mm-hmm. still, which is the way well, our society is built, I suppose. Um, I mean, one thing, I mean, it is interesting about the Google and Apple thing, because, of course, the reality is that most people, whether explicitly or implicitly, trust Google or Apple. I mean, if you've got an iPhone, you, you trust Apple. And if you've got a, an Android phone, you trust Google largely with a good deal of your data anyway. Um, so we, we as, a, as a society, we have a, a willingness to trust large companies in this case with large amounts of data um so there's not a so a, i think in general we are willing to trust although of course as soon as the government gets involved it does rather um it does alter things somewhat it, but it's interesting you talk about you know governed by consent because actually there are some rules coming in the background without necessarily a lot of parliamentary discussions which means that the pure consent bit is taking a bit of a backseat to some of mm. the compulsion yeah what I also, I read an interesting story that in France, where they have stuck with the centralized, localized process rather than the Google Apple process, is that their numbers of downloads, I think were apparently, it was in the Guardian, about the, the 3 million mark, mm-hmm. whereas the UK's in four days was apparently 12 million. And in Germany, it was 18 million. And both the, well, that's, I keep saying the UK, but I mean the English NHS, um, uh, and that was in four days. That's pretty impressive if those, if those numbers mm. true, prove to be true. I think there are some bits of of overlap between because I was in Scotland last week, and uh, I I did actually download the Scottish app well, was a couple of weeks ago, and that worked. It was quite clever that when I then subsequently downloaded the English and Welsh app, that took priority because you can only have one. But I suppose for those people who are living on borders. A bit of ability to have some interplay between the yeah. devolved nations would make some sense. Yes, the cross, as always, cross border issues become very complicated with this sort of thing. And then the other one, of course, on a similar line is for those people working in healthcare settings. And there's been a lot of debate already. Uh, and we've had some internally, actually, at our place about um about that and what sort of guidance you give to staff around or whether as a trust you take a view about whether staff should have it and certainly if they do have it making sure that they're pausing the tracking appropriately if they're going into areas such as hospitals where there's you know a large amount of covid around and there's a lot of complications on that that i, th- I think interestingly we haven't as a health system we haven't quite got to 
grips with what this means for us, right down to not all hospitals, I don't think, have kind of cogged. They probably need to have the QR codes put up, for example. I found James's point about like using the app when you're obviously going into healthcare settings um, because you're obviously going to be exposed to COVID a lot more. I think that's something they learned from the trial, isn't it? Is the fact that you could, because you can turn off contact tracing and have that reminder set for, you know, a few hours later to remind you to turn it back on. I don't quite understand if that is something that will will work or not. If you're constantly turning contact tracing off and on. Um, I understand that you don't want loads of, loads of um, notifications when you're in hospital because you will be exposed to it. Um, but I've seen some interesting things on Twitter about whether or not that will work. I think, Dermot, you had shared some information on on that aspect, uh, hadn't you? And I did. When I, the first, I think it came out on Thursday, I went into work on the next day and I was doing a list, an, op, an operating list, wearing the full PPE on screened patients, but I turned it off and, for four hours. There was a reminder to turn it back on, but then I was still in the hospital. So I set it again and, and don't recall seeing one. And to be honest with you, the rest of this week, I've just turned it, left it on because life is a bit too short. Mm. I think where it will become difficult is if people are getting constant reminders uh, and actually positive contact traces. Now, I, mm. I think there's a need for being very clear about how we deal with that, particularly if I might have had the contact whilst I was at work and I might have been work, wearing PPE, you just can't afford to have significant chunks of your staff mm. being told to self-isolate on, the, on that basis. And there needs to be some ability to go and do some risk assessment. And I think mm. that's where the processes, and it's not just with this app, but in general with the contact tracing, it's very confused when kids you know parents have kids at school who are told to isolate i think it needs to then go to have a clear policy and rational discussions as to what a positive contact what actions should happen yeah. rather than just automatically de facto you must isolate particularly yeah. for healthcare staff there needs to be something in there which says let's assess the risk from this particular aspect of of, of from this particular contact before we have a knee jerk instantly self-isolate for whatever yeah. period especially that, given sorry go on Andrew I was gonna say is that where the manual contact tracing team comes in are they supposed to be contacting those who have been told to self-isolate to discuss you know the risk of um catching coronavirus from wherever the isolation um notification no, notification sorry was triggered from because I I'm yeah I was a bit confused about that as well because there was some stuff going around on Twitter uh, yesterday with people saying that they got a notification telling them to self-isolate but or that they'd had a possible contact sorry with someone with COVID but no other guidance on whether or not they had to isolate um, is is this down to manual contact tracing or is this like a glitch in the app? I suspect it's not a glitch in the app I suspect it's a lack of a clear policy as to what's supposed to happen and I think it needs to be fairly urgently addressed as to what action individual plus staff and care workers who might be a slightly different case because they may have more po- more likely to have a, a positive contact that uh, it needs a pretty clear central guidance as to what should happen in those in those circumstances and that's where you'll get disillusionment pretty quick if it's if it triggers significant numbers of either false positives or the guidance is not clear 
Mm. I mean, the, the other thing that we're concerned about as well is that some of our sites, at least, you have, you have to leave your mobile phones in lockers. So obviously you've got an awful lot of mobile phones all within very close distance to one another you know and if somebody's phone someone happens to have an exposure and so on and even if they hadn't had their phone with them in theory at least the notification it could it could take the view that they'd been in contact with all these other people even if they hadn't been and and there's, there's oddities like that in uh, and so again we've we've you know we're going to try and, and and suggest to people that they do switch it all off when they're especially they're leaving their phone in a locker next to lots of other phones but it may well not happen. And, and certainly, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges of the really the current situation is the impact on our staffing broadly um, and how a lot of different sort of random events, whether it's schools or whatever, or track and trace or the app or whatever, can result in people being taken out of work for a period of time. Mm. I guess there's also a risk of losing public trust, isn't there, if you're just getting notifications all the time? Yeah. You just get a bit fatigued with seeing it. So people are just going to, I mean, I, I kind of worry that people will stop listening to it if they're getting notifications quite frequently. Um, I also accidentally triggered, uh, triggered my um, self-isolation countdown timer <laughs> um, because uh, there was obviously some reports over the weekend about uh, not being able to add test results in if you hadn't got a test through Test and Trace. Um, and some of the other things being reported was that if you just popped in that you had symptoms, it triggers the countdown timer and tells you to isolate, um, which on the one hand, I think if you do have symptoms, you absolutely should be isolating. But we already knew that. On the other hand, I think if you don't, if you're putting them in because you think, oh, maybe it is, but it's probably not. And you're all of a sudden being told to isolate. I don't know if you're going to get the same kind of fatigue, like it, it loses its impact if you're just seeing it all the time. Mm. Um, so I, I was of the opinion that well I was of the um understanding sorry that when the isolation countdown timer was triggered that would only be triggered if you'd had a positive test result um because one of the one of the biggest learnings from the original app that was trialed in May was that they couldn't use an app that relied solely on the self-reporting of symptoms because it was too risky in terms of uh, false positives and losing public trust mm. um so, I mean, obviously, I don't have coronavirus symptoms, so I am not listening to the um, isolation countdown timer that tells me I have to be in my house for the next six days. Um, but it's also, yeah, how do you, how do they police that? Because there's nothing saying that if you do have symptoms and you do trigger it, people are going to listen to it. Um, can you reset it and once you know, if you've done it by mistake I, like I that haven't, i haven't actually tried um i did think about deleting the app and uh, re-downloading it um but yeah maybe i'll give that a go and see see if that happens so that'd be a good story wouldn't it <laughs> yeah because there might well there's bound to be situations in which that people will for whatever reason accidentally trigger it off like that and and then of course you run the risk of if you've started it then if there is a genuine reason in between somewhere that'll miss that as well so uh mm. yeah I think it kind of, um, I think it shows the limitations of the app. I mean, like James was saying, the tech is there and, you know, but the tech can only do so much. And, you know, the app can't, you know, lock all your doors and make sure you don't go out. And, you know, there's only, I think people, when contact tracing apps were first sort of the, when the phrase first came out, I think it was in March, everyone I think thought it was going to be this silver bullet solution that was going to solve all our problems was going to get everyone back to normal and we could all go back to you know life pre-covid but I think as it's kind of time's gone on it's worked brilliantly in some countries um but not necessarily in everywhere and it, it because it comes down again to to the people and and you know you can talk about the tech and that's obviously what we're focused on but there's only so much that the guys behind the tech 
can do you know they can't force people to like I said sit in their houses so I think you know as Dermot was saying I think it's now time to kind of focus on how we can um, get people to abide by the rules and do what they can to to save you know save people's lives and you know all the hands face space and all, all the slogans under the sun and um you know this campaign that they've launched which i'm sure they spent a lot of money on because i saw a segment during britain's got talent which must have cost a fortune um you know it's it's very very gut-wrenching it's you know save your grandma it goes back to kind of hancock's don't kill granny you know it's that you know don't you know use the app and save your family from coronavirus it's very kind of hard hitting and like you were saying james if they'd maybe gone for something a bit more lighter i mean not saying you know i don't want to erase the the seriousness of coronavirus of course but you know it seems to be quite hard hitting and maybe mm. that will strike the right tone with some people but, but maybe not others yeah i think I, I do agree. I think a lighter tone might have been might have been a bit better. Um, I just think there are some people that have got to what are we? Almost October. We are October now, and it's been it's been a bleak year. I don't want mm. more bleak things put in my face. Like I will download the app because I, you know I I think it's important to do what we can, and I will abide by the rules. But I don't want to be told to save Granny every day because. <laughs> It's it's really depressing, and I think that is going to I think that's going to deter a few people from even engaging in the process, which isn't what you want. Like mm. there are a lot of people that wouldn't know about the app. We obviously do. We talk about digital health solutions every day, so we're clued up on it. But there are probably loads of people that would only know about it by seeing the adverts. And I think doom and gloom mm. does it makes people switch off. I, I mean, I mute adverts that are boring now, like you know the banking adverts that talk about what life was like during lockdown I I switch over as soon as I see them I can't deal with them so I, I can't I can imagine that a few people probably feel the same about this ad and I think there's another group that I think we need to think about who are having a really tough time and it's students mm, yeah. uh, mm. the guidance isn't clear they're having a tough time they've been you know some of them have had the a-level situations and a perception that they are being blamed for the situation and that's not fair and that, and i if 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 this is a final could be a final straw of endless uh, pressure to to keep on isolating that's going to be really hard for them and it that's where we need clear policies and hopefully yeah. we can get on top of it but i that's where i worry if if the if the numbers start going up you know, and if it transfers from the student group to an older population and more at risk etc um they're they're a they're a group we need to we need to think about they need a bit of they need some reassurance and some hope and and that side of things and Mm. they're just young people who want to need need to get on with their life and i understand that but on the other hand we if 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 it becomes you know widespread infections amongst the university population and they're all back at christmas and mass internal migration and spreading it again to that's a worry but Mm. that's a group they're very, you know, they're completely wedded to their phones, um, but they're going to get disillusioned quite quickly if they get a large number of notifications of contact, potential mm. contacts, and have to isolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone will, won't they? Like, especially if you're getting them, you know, on a weekly basis, you're basically going to spend your life in isolation again. So I think there needs to be some. Um, uh, yeah, I think it needs to make sure that it's only sending those notifications to the right people um but then it's it's hard isn't it because if you have just 
sort of been in the same venue as someone like you know say you've gone to the pub you spent your entire time at the front of the pub someone's way at the back of the pub you haven't come anywhere near them they're still going to trigger a warning on your phone because an outbreak's been linked to that area um I think that's where manual contact tracing is supposed to come in um I I don't want to sound really negative but I don't have a lot of faith in that um purely because I've had um six friends I can think of that have been on holiday recently um, and have had to quarantine when they've come back um, have done all their quarantine but at no point has NHS Test and Trace contacted any of them during quarantine or after quarantine uh, to make sure that they knew what the advice was they just knew because you know they read the government advice and decided to follow it Um, so yeah I don't know how to I don't know how to police that because yeah if if someone just says oh someone in the pub you're in has been diagnosed I don't know how many people are going to listen to that. Mm. That was very doom and gloom of me. I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was very depressing. But I just think there's been so many issues on the manual side of things. Um, a digital solution is great, but we really need to make sure that the manual side is, is you know, doing what it needs to be doing. Otherwise, mm. people, people don't know the, the advice off the top of their heads and they need to sort of, yeah, they need that help to sort of know what the next steps are for them. Yes, and I think that's probably I don't I think that's probably somewhere where the app could perhaps do more is is in helping people interpret the rules, you know, and the guidance. Yeah. And that's thing we may see more of because the more complicated it gets, and the more geographical it gets as well. I mean, it does do this to some extent, but I think that's probably from just because I think I think most people fundamentally actually want to do the right thing in general terms. Yeah, um, but when doing the right thing is it's difficult to work out what the right thing you're meant to be doing actually is it, it it can become disheartening so i think the more we the more help there is to show people what the right thing is to do and help them to do it i think that the more likely that is to happen yeah i think one thing that's been good i know you spoke to some of the one of the companies that's been behind the app andrew was that they said it's the app's going to be developed and they're going to build on it and and hopefully they'll they'll take into consideration feedback they're having and they can add new additions. Like you said, James, maybe they could have like localized advice, especially with all these local lockdowns coming into force, you know, across the country, it would be good if they, you know, that they do adapt and kind of change it. So it evolves into something, you know, potentially different. So I think that will be a good way for them to go as well, instead of just kind of throwing out this product that they've done and just leaving it and kind of being like, here you go take as it take it as you will and you know just do what do what you're told mm-hmm. type thing yeah i i think it's reassuring that we've now made some progress there was hiccups to start with what i think it was hannah that said that w- this is not a silver bullet technology can help and what joe mcdonald always says it's the soft stuff getting the confidence getting the downloads getting it used getting it used by people having clear policies as to what to do and refining it and gaining trust. It is trust that's going to make the biggest mm. difference. And that's the bit that's in, in danger of being in short supply. So I'm, I, I, my summary is I think the technology has a place. It is, it, you know, I do support it. I have downloaded it. I do have the contact tracing on, but I would urge all of those involved who have any influence at a central level, they've got to be realistic and own issues to do with trust and you cannot overstate how things like trips to barnard castle have undermined (laughs) uh, have undermined trust it's just yeah and there's no point in denying it yeah i agree i think there's a lot of people that have just lost a lot of faith um from that moment i think um and you know 
I've spoken to people that have just said, well, why should I have to follow the guidance if the government isn't following their own guidance? Mm. So, I, yeah, I um, I think we do need to see a little bit more. Um, and the prime minister not knowing his own guidance doesn't help. No, that's that's no, that's worrying, isn't it? <laughs> um, it? It we do need. I do think we need to see a little bit more um, clarity around all of that. But I yeah, I'm encouraging everyone I know to download it, um, even if it's just you know having it on in the background um, because it is helpful. And if they do get a notification, um, you know pointing them in the right direction of where they can find information if they need it yeah. um but yes well uh hannah james and Demet, thank you so much for joining us on digital health unplugged it was a lot of fun uh, despite my tech issues <laughs> and you. to all of our listeners at home thank you so much for tuning in don't forget we publish fortnightly on spotify apple Podcasts, and itunes so please give us a follow on any of those platforms to keep up to date with what we're doing as always, we're really keen to hear from our listeners. So you, if you have a suggestion, uh, you can drop us a line on podcast at digitalhealth.net. That's it for this time, folks, and we will catch you in two weeks.